Welcome to My Favorite Theorem. I'm your host, Kevin Knudsen, professor of mathematics at the University of Florida. I'm joined by your co-host. Hi, I'm Evelyn Lamb. I'm a math and science writer in Salt Lake City, Utah, where it is very cold now, and so I'm very jealous of uh, Kevin living in Florida. It's a dreary day here today. It's, it's raining and it's cold. Our, our, our listeners can't see me doing the, the, the air quotes. Uh, it's it's only like about sixty degrees yeah. in rainy. It's that's actually kind of lousy. But it's our department holiday party today, and I, I have my festive candy cane tie on, and I'm good to go. And I'm super excited. Wait, about so uh, I haven't been introduced yet, but can I yeah. jump in on this weather conversation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm in Cambridge right now, Definitely. and I must say, I think it's probably nicer in Cambridge, Massachusetts, than it is in Utah right now. That's <laughs> it's like a nice sort of breezy day. High, like high 40s, low 50s. Oh, that's not bad. You can put on yeah. a little sweater okay, so. and you're good to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, I'm jealous of both of you, then. Yeah. So, so, Evelyn, I don't know about you, but I'm super excited about this one. I mean, I'm always excited to do these, but it's it's the rare day you get to talk to a professional athlete about math. This is this is really very cool. So our, our guest on yeah. this episode is, is John Urschel. John, do you want to tell everyone about yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm happy to. I think I might actually be the only person, well, the only professional athlete that you can ask high-level math about. Might be true. Well, well, em thing. Emily Real, Emily Real counts, yeah. right? Right. She's the category theorist at Johns Hopkins. She's on the U.S. Women's um, uh, Australian Rules football team. Yeah, and there's Australian a Australian Rules football team. You mean rugby? <laughs> is this uh, Australian Rules football is like no. rugby, but it's a little different. See, you guys aren't old enough to. I'm old enough to remember ESPN in the early days when mm -hmm. they, when they didn't have like the high end contract where they would actually show the NFL they would show stuff like Australian rules football it's fascinating it's it's kind of like rugby but not really at the same time it's very weird yeah what are, what are the main yeah. differences i saw it yeah. you punch the ball sometimes yeah yeah they they, um, they, they don't have a scrum yeah. but they have this thing where they 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 bounce the ball really hard we should get emily on here uh uh they bounce the ball up in the air and they sort of like jump up to get mm -hmm. it. And then they, they, you can run with it and you sort of like punch the ball underhanded and then you can kick it through these, there's like three posts on either end, but it's sort of like a big oval shaped field. And there's three poles on either end. And, um, you know, you try to kick it. If you get it through the middle pair, that's worth, that's a goal. If you get it on either one of the sides, it's called a behind. And the referees wear like a coat and tie and a little hat. It's, it, I used to love watching it. It's actually wait. You say the field is an oval shape. It's, it's like an oval pitch. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, you should you should you should look this up. It's really it's very cool. It, but it, it is a it is a bit like rugby in the sort of there's no pads and they're wearing shorts and all of that. Mm -hmm. So and it's a very continuous game like rugby. Yes, very fast. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Gotcha. Yeah. So anyway, that's enough. Uh, that's enough. You didn't tell us about yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah. So my name is John Urschel. I, uh, I'm a retired NFL offensive lineman. I played for the Baltimore Ravens. I'm also a mathematician. I am getting my PhD in applied math at MIT. Good for you. Yeah. Do you miss so, the NFL? I don't really want to, is, I don't, I don't want to belabor the football thing, but, but do you miss playing the NFL? Yeah. No, not really. Yeah. I mean, I really loved playing in the NFL mm -hmm. and it was a uh, a really amazing experience just sure. to sort of you know be an elite elite at whatever oh, yeah you know sport you love yeah but at the same time i'm very very happy to be focusing on math full time mm -hmm. focusing on my phd i'm in my third year right now and mm -hmm. being able to sort of devote more time to this passion of mine which you know is ideally going to be my lifelong career yeah 
Right. Yeah. So not to be creepy, but I have, you know, followed your career and like the <laughs> writing you've done and stuff like that. And it's been really cool to, to see what you've written about combining being an athlete with being a mathematician and how, you know, how you've kind of fo changed your focus then as you've left uh, playing in the NFL and moved to doing this full time. So, John, what's your favorite theorem? Oh, yes. So this is I guess this is the name of the podcast. Yeah. So I, so I should probably give you a theorem. <laughs> yeah. So my favorite theorem is a theorem by uh, Bats, Batson, Spielman, and Sristava. Okay. Do, we, do you guys know okay. any of those people? You got, no, no, I don't. Please educate okay, me. Okay, good. So yeah. this is perfect because I'm about to introduce you to my mathematical idol. Okay, great. And pretty much who I think is like the most like... Great. Amazing applied mathematician. Good. That like of you know this generation. Dan Spielman at Yale. Okay. So Dan Spielman got his PhD from MIT. He was advised by Mike Sipser. Mm -hmm. And he was a professor at MIT and eventually moved to Yale. He's uh, done amazing work in a number of fields, but this paper, it's a it's a very like sort of elegant paper in applied math that doesn't really have, I think, direct sort of algorithmic applications, but something that has some elegance. And the formulation is as follows. So suppose you have some graph, like vertices and edges. Mm -hmm. Now, what I want to tell you is that there exists some other weighted graph with at most a constant times the order of the graph number of edges so linear number of edges with respect to vertices okay. that approximates the laplacian of this original very dense graph no matter how dense it is so i'm i'm doing not the best job of explaining this but let me mm -hmm. put it like this you have a graph mm -hmm. it's very dense okay. you have this you know elliptic operator on the graph and somehow there's a way to find a graph that is not dense at all, but extremely, extremely sparse. But that somehow, yeah, okay. with the exact, not exact, but nearly the exact same properties, these operators are very, very close hmm. to each other. Can you remind our re uh, yeah. readers, listeners what the Laplacian is? Yeah, yeah. So a graph Laplacian, what you can do is, the way I like to introduce it, especially for people not in sort of graph theory type things is you can define a gradient on a graph, mm -hmm. which is you take every edge directed in some way, and you can think of the gradient as just being a sort of discrete derivative along the edge. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, as in, you know, continuous, you know, in, as in the continuous case, you take this gradient, you get your Laplacian, and in the same way that you get a Laplacian in the continuous case, this is how you get your graph Laplacian yeah, okay. for sure. our discrete graph. So this theorem says that, yeah, you start with this, right. And so, so the problem is dense graphs are, are kind of hard to work with because, well, they're dense, right? Yeah. Yes, Can I jump in yeah. and ask, uh, so dense meaning a lot of edges, I assume? Yes, a lot okay. of edges. Lots and lots, as many edges as you want. So like a high degree right. on each vertex, lots of, yeah. And, and right, so, so. Lots of edges. Yeah. Edges going everywhere. Mm -hmm. Right. And then with the weighting, that might also mean something like you've got edges, maybe not that many total edges, but they have a high weight. Is Does that also make it dense or is that a different problem? No, that 
in that case, we wouldn't really consider it dense. Oh, okay. Okay, but the, yeah. new, but the, I, new, yeah, yeah. But the new graph you construct is weighted. Yes, and okay. the old graph can be weighted as well. Okay, all right. Yes. Yeah. What, what, what do the weights tell you? What do you mean? I mean, so, so on, the on, the, on the new graph, right? So you start with some maybe unweighted graph, and you generate mm -hmm. this new graph that's more sparse, mm -hmm. but it's weighted. Why, yeah. why, why do you want the weights? What is it? What, what do the weights get you? So the benefit of weights is it gives you sort of additional leeway about sort of how you're scaling things mm -hmm. because the weights naturally come into the Laplacian because, you know, for weighted graphs, when you take this Laplacian, it's sort of like a, uh, it's the difference between the average at each node mm -hmm. of all of its neighbors and that node mm -hmm. in a way. And mm -hmm. the weights tell you how much each edge sort right. of counts for. Right. And in that way, it allows you greater leeway. If you weren't able to weight this, you know, very sparse graph, this wouldn't work very well at all. Right, because you, th you like you said, you sort of think of of having sort of a gradient on your graph, and yeah, yeah. So, so, so this new graph should somehow kind of have the same kind of dynamics, I suppose, as your original. Exactly, graph. and yeah. the really interesting thing is that you can capture these dynamics. Mm -hmm. Not only can you capture them, but you can capture them with a linear number of edges, linear in the order of the graph. Right. Linear, not yeah, near right. linear. So wow. Dan Spielman is famous for many things. Mm -hmm. One of the things he's famous for is he was one of the first people to give provable guarantees for sort of algorithms that can solve like a Laplacian system of equations mm -hmm. in near linear time. So like, O of n plus some logs. Mm -hmm. And from his work, you know, there have been many, many different sort of uh, improvements. Mm -hmm. And this one is extremely interesting to me because you only use a linear number of edges, which um, implies that sort of this technique, given this graph you have, should be extremely efficient. And this is exactly what you want because it's a linear number of edges. Yeah. You apply this via some iterative algorithm and you can use this guy as like a sort of preconditioner and you know things get very nice. But the issue is I believe, and it has been a little bit since I read the paper, I believe the amount of time it takes to find this graph I think is cubic. Mm. Okay. So it's not, it's not a sort of paper where, you know, this is extremely, extremely useful algorithmically, I would say, mm -hmm. but it is a paper that I think is very beautiful from a mathematical perspective. Has the algorithm been improved? Has someone found a better than cubic way to, to generate this new thing? Don't quote me on that. I mm -hmm. do not know, but I do know that no one has found a good way yet. Okay. And by good, I mean good enough to make it algorithmically useful. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Because, for instance, if the you know if the amount of time it takes to find this thing is quadratic, or you know even you know maybe n to the one point five or something like that, well, this is already not useful mm -hmm. for anything greater than like near linear, right? Which you know it's it's a very interesting thing, and it was something that really sort of spoke to me, and I really just fell in love with it. And I think what I like about it most is that. It is a very sort of applied area, and it is, you know, it is applied mathematics, mm -hmm. theoretical computer science type things, but it is very theoretical and it is very elegant. And though I am applied, an applied mathematician, I do like 
very clean things. I do like very nice looking things. Sure. And perhaps I'm a can be perhaps I can be a bad applied mathematician because I don't always care about applications. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which kind of makes you a bad applied mathematician. But you know, in all my papers, I'm not sure I've ever I've ever really, really, really cared about the application in the sense that if I see this very interesting problem that someone brings to me and it happens to have a very useful application, like, you know, some of the things I've gone to do in machine learning, great. Like this is, you know, this is like cherry on top, but that isn't the motivating thing. If it's an amazing application, but some ugly, ugly thing, I'm, I'm not touching it. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we actually started recording, we talked a little bit about how they're kind of like different flavors of applied math. There are ones that are more on the theoretical side and probably people who do a lot of things with theoretical computer science would tend towards that more. And then there are the people who are actually like looking at a biological system and solving differential equations or something like this, where they're really getting their hands dirty. So it sounds like you're, you're more on the, the, interested in the theoretical side of applied math. Yeah, so. Well, applied, yeah, I'll, I'll, go ahead. applied math needs good theory though, right? No, this is true. Yeah, this I mean, is you know, true. you, you got to develop good theory so that you know that your algorithms work, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and yes, you want them to be efficient and all of that, but, but if, you know, if you can't prove that they're, that they actually work, you know? Yes. No, I agree. Then you're a physicist, I, right? There's yeah. There, well, <laughs> there's there's nothing I hate more than well, you know. There's nothing I hate more than heuristics. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, heuristics do have a great place in this world. Mm -hmm. It is a very important thing. But there's nothing that I kind of dislike more than sort of doing things with heuristics without being able to give any guarantees. Yeah, so where did you first encounter this theorem? Was it in the research you were, you're, you've been doing, or the, the study you've been doing for your PhD? Uh, yes, I did encounter this when I was, uh, I think it was when I was preparing for my qualifying exams. Mm -hmm. I was reading some, uh, I was reading a number of different things on so-called spectral graph theory, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. this whole field of, you know, you have a graph and you look at some sort of elliptic operator on it. And this paper obviously falls under that category. And I saw a lecture on it and I was just fascinated. I was very fascinated by it. And also I was, uh, I was you know, it's very nice result when you kind of hear about it and you're almost in disbelief. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I heard about it and I thought I didn't quite hear the formulation correctly, but in fact I did. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I seem to remember reading in Sports Illustrated, uh, that's an odd sentence to say, that you were working on, uh, on uh, some, sort of, some version of the traveling salesman problem. Is that right? Is that what you're doing? Yes, although yeah. let's, that is true, Yeah. but I would say... Because that's hard. <laughs> yes, just because I'm working on the, traveling salesman, the asymmetric traveling salesman problem mm -hmm. does not mean you should, you know, holding your breath for me to produce something right. on the asymmetric traveling sales, <laughs> which, you know, this is, I mean, this is an interesting thing because I am getting my PhD mm -hmm. and you do want to, you want to try to find a research project where, yes, it's tough and it challenges you, mm -hmm. but also at the end of your four or five years, you have something to show for it. Right. Is, is this version of the problem also NP hard or? Yeah. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah, right. It is. But uh, this version, there isn't any sort of like 
in approximability results as in some of the other mm -hmm. versions of TSP. But my advisor, Michelle Gomez, who, for the record, I'm convinced I have the single best advisor in the world. Like he is amazing, <laughs> amazing. Yep. He, you know, he has a strong background in combinatorial optimization, mm -hmm. which is the idea of you have some set of discrete objects. You need to pick sort of your best option when the number of choices you have is often not polynomial in the size of your input. Mm -hmm. But you need to pick the best option in some reasonable amount of time that perhaps is polynomial with respect to the size of the input. Yeah, so are these results that'll say something then like, well, we know we can get within 3% of the optimal by checking. Exactly, sort of yeah. Like and these sorts of things are called uh, approximation algorithms. So mm -hmm. if, it's, if it runs in polynomial time and you can guarantee it's within, you know, say a constant factor of the optimal solution, then you have a constant approximation algorithm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we've been reading up on some of the, you know, more recent breakthroughs in ATSP, the breakthrough this August, where someone proved the first constant approximation algorithm for asymmetric traveling salesman problem. Oh, okay. Yes, and my advisor, Michelle Gomez, who also is the department head at MIT mm -hmm. of math, he, uh, he had the previous best paper on this. He had a log log approximation algorithm from maybe 2008, 2009, but don't quote me on this. Yeah, yeah. Mid to late 2000s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is this is something that we've been reading about and something we've been thinking about. Mm -hmm. Trying to chip away a little bit at that. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's interesting because, you know, this constant approximation algorithm that came out, it used a sort of approach that, and I think Michelle won't mind me saying this, that Michelle kind of didn't think was, was the right way to go about it. And so it's very interesting because there's different ways to sort of construct an approximation algorithm. At its core, you have something you're trying to solve and this thing is hard, but now you have to ask yourself, what makes it hard? And then you need to sort of take one of the things that makes it hard and you need to loosen that. Mm -hmm. And he, his approach in his previous paper was quite different than their approach. So it was, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, the other thing we like to do on this show is to ask our <laughs> guests to, to pair their theorem with something. So what have you chosen to, uh, to pair your theorem with? Right. So I still haven't fully thought about this, but you put me on the spot. And okay. so I am going to say this, I would pair this with, I think this is a thing, Miller 64. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's a thing, right? Am I? Uh, uh, Miller six like this is a you beer. You know what I'm talking about? This is a beer. Yeah, yeah, the beer. Miller sixty four. Like, so, it's the super low calorie beer. It's the super low calorie beer. It's this okay. beer, and they advertise it on TV. Oh, I see. It's, show it's very like, sparse. People playing volleyball. People like you know, <laughs> people you know, weightlifting. People running, and then drinking a sixty four calorie beer. Like it's the beer for athletes. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and I think it's a very, very good beer because, well, it at least claims to taste like a beer, be very much like a beer, and yet be very sparse. Okay. Okay. So it's, uh, yeah, I guess I don't know a good name for for the, these kinds of graphs, but it's the this graph of beers. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I, 
<laughs> yes, it's like a sparse graph. It's like a so these things are called uh, spectral sparsifiers. Okay, it's the spectral sparsifier of beers. beers. That's it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so they've used the champagne of beers slogan before, but I really think they should switch to the right? spectral sparsifier of beers. Like, that's a free idea, by the way, Miller. Like, you can just take that. I, I'm not asking well, for anything. Well, right. Hold on. Oh, though. maybe. This, this okay. not, oh, wait, wait, no, John's all about <laughs> the endorsements, so right? Let's not, let's not start giving things away for free now. John has representation. So, <laughs> that's yeah, we, yeah, will, yeah. we will give this to you guys. <laughs> but you need to sponsor the podcast. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This this needs to be done. <laughs> yes, I, I'm sure if they they try to like expand their their market share of mathematicians, this will be the first podcast they come to. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So hey, you want to talk some smack? Were you actually the smartest athlete in the NFL? Oh, <laughs> That's. I am not the person to ask about that. <laughs> I knew you. I knew you would defer on that. Any. Yeah. yeah, I trust me. I've gone through many, many hours of media training. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, know, you need something a little more high level to catch me than that. Sure, you're wrong. <laughs> I wasn't really trying to catch you. Although you know, Aaron, yeah, yeah. Aaron Rodgers looked good on Jeopardy. I don't know if you saw him on Celebrity Jeopardy a couple of years ago. No, I he, didn't. He, he won his game, and my my mother, uh, sorry, was a huge Packers fan. She grew up in she grew up near Green Bay. And, uh, mm -hmm. and she loved Aaron Rodgers. So like, I think she recorded that, that episode of Jeopardy and uh, gotcha. <laughs> like watched it all the time. I think I was, uh, I was invited to go on Family Feud once, the Celebrity oh, yeah? Family Feud. Yeah. But I kind of sort of, I don't know why, but I wasn't really, I wasn't really about that life. I wasn't yeah. really, yeah, I wasn't really into you it. You didn't want Steve why. Harvey making fun of you? Yeah. Also, I think. <laughs> I'm not sure that I'm great at guessing what people think. Yeah, that's... I'm not. Uh, this is not one of my talents. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Finger mm -hmm. isn't on the pulse of, like, America yeah. or whatever. <laughs> no, my finger is not quite on the pulse. Like, what do people... Like, what's people's favorite? I don't even know. I can't even think of a question. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Very cool. Well, John, this has been great. Thanks yeah, for joining us. Yeah. No, thanks for having yeah. me. This yeah. is... I can say this with certainty. This is my second favorite podcast I have ever done. Okay. That, we'll take that. We'll take that. We won't even put you on the spot yeah, and tell but, you what, ask you what the favorite was. We won't, even, we won't even ask. Yeah, I don't know why I had to say So when I started the sentence, yep. know that I was going to say favorite. Yep. And then I just remembered that one other. But I've done many podcasts, and this is one of my favorites. Okay. It's a fascinating idea, and I think my favorite thing about the podcast is sort of the audience is very much sort of the people I really like. Yeah. So good. There's something very nice good. about that. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. thanks, John. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to My Favorite Theorem, hosted by Kevin Knudsen and Evelyn Lane. The music you're hearing is a piece called Fractalia, a percussion quartet performed by four high school students from Gainesville, Florida. They are Blake Crawford, Gus Knudsen, Del Mitchell, and Baoshan Nguyen. You can find more information about the mathematicians and theorems featured in this podcast, along with other delightful mathematical treats, at Kevin's website, kpkibbutson.com, and Evelyn's blog, Roots of Unity, on the Scientific American Blog Network. We love to hear from our listeners, so please drop us a line at myfavoritetheorem at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Kevin's handle on Twitter is at NivikNazdunk, that's Kevin spelled backwards followed by Knudsen spelled backwards, and Evelyn's is at Evelyn J. Lamb. The show itself also has a Twitter feed. The handle is M-Y-F-A-V-E-T-H-M. That's at My Favorite Theorem. 
Join us next time to learn another fascinating piece of mathematics.